Oh yeah, that was part of it. You gotta go like this. That's you already, you, you already, you actually already uh, cracked it, so you're gonna have to just fake the sound. All right, three, two, one. Oh yeah. That's nice. Uh, okay, so welcome to the first ever Tenet podcast. Here we are. Do you know have a working name for this? Do I know that you do? Yeah, have I told you? It? No, you have not told me it. Okay, it's called the Dead Sailor Podcast. Do you think that's good? <laughs> I think it, I like that. Is that a bad name? No. Do you know what a dead sailor is on a BMX bike? I or think it could new, be yeah. good. Yeah. This it's where you go, you get locked up. <laughs> and that's is that why of, I'm the first guest on this show? Well, I think we're both going to lock up. So there's a, you have this camera, so if you ever want to speak to the viewer... You got that one. I have this one. And then this one is recording us both. Do you know what we need? Right now. What's that? Future iteration monitors. So you can stare at yourself. I'm pretty sure oh, that wanna, I've got I, a voice for radio. I can, I can do a really good uh, radio voice. Ready? And welcome back to the <laughs> Tenet Podcast. So I'm your Midwest. host, Tyler DeShane. Is that pretty good? Let me try one. Let me try one now. <laughs> it's... Wednesday, October 5th. I'm Blake Hansen, and this is the Dead Sailor Podcast. That's great. <laughs> the, that, you always default to the... The daily. The daily. Yeah, that's yeah. my thing. I've been doing a lot, it a lot lately, for some reason, at home. Also, do you like um, our coasters? Mm. Shameless plug to our friend Paris Gore. I don't know if he has these on his uh, web store, but... You can get some really cool Paris Gore. Looks cheap. Coasters. Yeah. Just kidding, Paris. <laughs> uh, thank you for coming on to this and being my guinea pig. We're guinea pigging. We're testing. Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna really dust off some cobwebs. Actually, I don't even have. There's no cobwebs. This is just pure. I have no idea what I'm doing. So <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna wade through the shit right now. Fun. Um. So how are you doing, Blake? Good. Doing really nice. Yeah, you just came off of uh, hang time. Yep, he was been. I was here for hang time. It was a good time. Well, you've been here for a while. I've been here for a while. That was what I was about to say. I was like, what am I saying right now? Yeah, I've been here for a while, like six weeks. Nice. And Chilling. I don't know if the world knows, but you m- looks like you're moving here. I'm a new resident. I'm yeah. a new incoming resident of the ham. Yeah, Which couple is, months out. You're leaving next week. And then you're back. I leave this week. End of this week. Oh, shit. Yeah. And also, I don't know if Lou told you we're having dinner together tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) She did tell me that. Okay, cool. Which is great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nice. We can review this tomorrow. It's going to be really nice for us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you're going home, well, old home, to essentially finish out the year rampage or are you going yep. to rampage finishing out the year got a bunch of stuff on the docket still that i need to figure out and then selling my life because i've lived in salt lake for 10 years 11 years actually this year damn and i got some shit yeah you're so like if you're me. in salt lake and you got a bunch of stuff that you want gear wise come over you can probably have it for free what are we talking gotta about go. we got snowboards we got bike parts <laughs> We got motorcycle parts, hella motorcycle parts. We got shop tools. We got desks. We got... So the, the whole spectrum. 
It's everything. You name it, I've probably got it because nice. it's been a long time. Cool. And I got stuff to get rid of. Well, hopefully we can find a home for all that stuff. Yeah. Is it going to fund your way to get to Bellingham? That would be ideal, although I just don't really feel like bringing it. So if I got $0, I'd probably still get rid of stuff anyway. Yeah. I've gotten to that point in my life where I, uh, I hold on to things that I probably don't really need or that I think I need that I really cherish for whatever reason or for one you reason or another. You and I are the same. Yeah. And then I think to myself, oh, this is worth money. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, I'm just going to hold on to this. And then, oh, I'll uh, sell that. And then when I go to sell it, nobody wants it. Or it's been too long and it's it been was worth long. money, but yeah. you were still holding on to it because you're a weirdo. Yes. And then you just have shit that doesn't yeah. worth isn't worth anything. I just got rid of probably one of the weirdest things. Oh, well, maybe in some circles it'd be weird, but I just got rid of a axle for an oh, F350. Oh, the axle that's been yeah. in your garage. Uh-huh. I've had that. So I had, for the people who don't know, um, and maybe you do remember this, uh, Tenet used to have a, uh, ambulance or I had an ambulance. That was what that was from? Yeah. I was going to four by four an ambulance. Um, it was my dream to have a four by four ambulance. And then yeah, I, I, life changes and I just don't really need a four by four ambulance anymore. So anyways, I held on to, and I still have a, like a transfer case and a transmission in my garage to do this four by four conversion that I also still have to get rid of. But I had carted that between three different houses and the intention was to do a, a four by four swap yeah. in my van. Never did it. Sold the van. Now I've got all these a parts. Pseudo Quigley to Shane, we'll call it. Yeah. This one's a DeShane. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I assume your motorcycle part collection is probably similar. Mm, yeah. Projects that either came to fruition and projects were long of gone. both ends. So like lots of stock parts, but then also cool things that I collected over time that just never really made it on bikes to get sold. Yeah. I always wanted to be a motorcycle, uh, not more, want, I don't know what do you call it. I guess cafe builder. Mm. I bought a CB 750 one time Me too. with the intention to cafe it, chop the tail and everything. It ran on three cylinders. I could never <laughs> figure out how to carburetors are hard to work on. Yeah, they are. Especially those ones. <clears throat> yeah. Well, some people would argue against that, but cause I think there's like two carburetors in that motor. And so it like, you got to get them synced perfectly or else it, carb sink. Yeah. I didn't, you gotta buy tools for that. Anyways, this is already, we're just kind of rambling. <laughs> this is what people do on podcasts. These are my and favorite And then you're there kind of and you're podcasts. like, think that it's, you're like, you're like every single podcast guest that's, that's sitting in a booth is like, wow, we just talked about a bunch of bullshit, but like everyone that's listening is kind of into it. Cause they're just like, yeah. well, it's either relatable. It's more relatable. Yeah. Right? Or they're just learning random things that they didn't think they'd be learning when they clicked play. Yeah. I don't know. And that's the point. See, the, the goal with this podcast is so that, you know, myself and the people that are involved with the company, whether they're an athlete or a business partner or a friend in the industry or something. Industry peeps. Yeah. They can come on here and we can just, everyone get to know each other, you know, and people that maybe appreciate the company can learn a little bit about who we are and what we're doing. So, yeah, just but, a way to get the name out a little bit yeah, and talk another to platform. people. I like that. And it's trendy and popular. <laughs> people are into podcasts. <laughs> yeah. Um, so let's go back to hang time. Yeah. What is, personally, I think that is a 
fucking awesome event. There's way more athletes this year than there were last year. Oh, did you just break the headphones? Sorry, no. I just had to adjust it. <laughs> um, and Hannah told me, I don't know, she just kind of like threw a random number. I asked her, I was like, Hannah, what's the, ran- what's the average age of the athletes that are here this year? And she was like, yeah, everyone's like maybe like 17. I think we did the numbers and the average was like 21. Wow. But there was like... A 12-year-old, a 13-year-old, a couple 14-year-olds, and then a handful of 15-year-olds, and then a 16-year-old, a 17-year-old. Yeah. And then, like, maybe even one or two more. And then, like, a handful of 20, 21-year-olds. And then a few of us geezies <laughs> speckled in <laughs> on the top range. <laughs> Were you the oldest person riding? I, I don't want to put you on blast. But... I, I don't think that I was, but definitely up there. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool, though. I mean, we were talk- we're always talking about it, but... Bikes, generally speaking, are cool because you just like find yourself surrounded by such interesting people that you wouldn't otherwise be spending time with. I'm sure you can relate. Yeah. It's just like unanimous across the entire industry once you're into like the bikes. And I'm sure this applies to other things too. But mm-hmm. like you just learn about all kinds of interesting people and you find yourself friends with like 12 year olds and you're <laughs> friends with like 60 year olds just the same. Yeah. And you're talking to them randomly here and there and then you develop relations with them and then you see them later and you're like, oh my gosh, hi. Yeah. I just find like my bank of people that I'm close with is so diverse <laughs> Yeah. now. I mean, it's hard to walk away from an event like that. Like it's fully bonding. I like, I, you can just tell that everybody is just there to get to know each other and to like progress mountain biking, like women's free ride. And so you can just, it's, in, it's impossible not to bond with the other people there. For sure. And so like, like I could just see how it's just forming like the next wave of just athletes who are going to be tight, right? Like you guys are gonna be able to go to a bunch of different events and familiar faces and it's so not competitive, which is exactly what it should be. Mm-hmm. All of mountain biking should be that way. I've never really been a competitive person. I came from BMX. Yeah. You too, right? It's pretty collaborative, for sure. Yeah. I came from BMX racing as a kid. So yeah, that's, that's much, competitive. Yeah. I mean, I was thinking about this unrelated to this today. Not that I want to change the subject because this is a really interesting mm-hmm. topic, I think, generally speaking. But... Being an athlete, like a bike athlete, is so interesting, particularly because, like, everyone grew up riding bikes as a kid. Mm-hmm. So half the time, I'm like, I just didn't grow up. Mm-hmm. I'm just still doing it. And now I just, like, have found a way to, like, be an adult and still do it, which to me is, like, well, it's two things. It's weird because <laughs> you think you want, you should be, like, something important and professional, like a doctor or a lawyer, whatever else people want you to be, mm-hmm. but you're not. Mm-hmm. So that's weird. Yeah. But at the same time, it's exa- you are exactly who you want to be. Yeah. And in a way that's weird compared to other sports, even like a person that you've always been. Cause we were all just a bunch of little weirdos. Yeah. Children riding around in the neighborhood together when your parents didn't want you to be inside the house. It's true. I mean, just something I've been thinking about lately. Yeah. It's weird to think about even my, like, path into 
just the world of the bike industry or just the world of, of mountain biking and stuff. Cause I myself all only cared about riding BMX bikes for like more than half of my life. And I didn't even start riding mountain bikes until, oh man, well, it was probably like 2012, you know, 2013. Yeah, pretty recent. Yeah. Um, but again, it, the whole like reason that I'm here is just because I like riding around on a bike, just a, a bike. Right. Yeah. And if, if I, if tomorrow for some reason I was in, unable to ride, like pedal a bike for some reason, I'd figure out a way to just move on wheels, whether it's like a motor that gets me going or, um, you know, I don't know. Like, I feel like I'll probably always play on wheels just because that's just what I know. Yeah. Right. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. I just like, I feel the same way. I've always been drawn to it and it's, oh, it's shifted around so much like motorcycles, quads, uh, cars, like all kinds of things. And, but it like, for the most part, it's always been variations of two wheels that have been like the most intriguing and interesting and like engaging to me and i guess like i've gone through all forms of them yeah so you've been talking a lot lately about getting a moto again which is something that i've been interested in too but um my what makes me reluctant to dive into the world of moto is mostly uh being a noob again Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's kind of scary like what's your background with motos did you yeah. you raced right um loosely raced did a lot of racing at the track but my background with the racing specifically is interesting because um i come from a tennis family like tennis was very big in my family and pushed and i stopped playing when i was like 12 or 13 and then started to pursue other things like action sports and um aside from the tennis we were like a big motorcycle desert dune buggy family like that's what we did when like my brother wasn't going to tournaments all over the state and the which country. is a really interesting combination super interesting like, but like my family my my extended family is all um like motorcycle and quad racers mm-hmm. like a lot well not all of them but like a lot of them and so like that's a central part of my dad's side of um the family is everyone out there in california is like big in the desert scene and motorcycles and everyone's got their razors and they're doing buggies and stuff so that's like what we would do with our greater extended family like the weekends we would go to the dunes and we'd go out to the desert and um ride and race around and stuff and um i also grew up in temecula california it's just like the motocross central of the states in a way i do that, there, that there's and like, like a big florida there's like a big free ride moto scene there right yeah huge free ride in temecula specifically um but just like the the socal generally speaking temecula like elsinore is like very big like winter moto world like all the supercross racers and motocross racers go there to train in the winter there are florida those are the two like spots where you'll see pretty much anyone who's anyone in that world Um, So I grew up, like, going and riding and racing at those tracks. Um, But I never got to really, like, do a series or, like, do anything with it because I grew up pretty LDS, and my dad didn't really want to go 
to the races every Sunday. Like he was like, put it a priority on going to church. Um, but then my brother still got to go to tennis matches all the time on Sunday. <laughs> so we got Jerome <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, it was a passion of mine and I did it a lot casually, but I never got to like pursue it per se because it wasn't really supported in my family. And that's one of those sports that takes a lot of money. Yeah. So I tell people I race, yeah. even though I didn't actually yeah. like follow a series. Yeah. Um, I casually raced. So moving to the Pacific Northwest and getting a moto again, are you interested in, because Bellingham has a, uh, like a really janky, uh, super cross moto track track. Yeah. I saw you've seen it. I looked it up. Yeah. Uh, they do like races and stuff there, but there's also most people I think that live here. Everyone are rides into trail, yeah, yeah, trail riding. Is that something you? Is that the tra- the path yeah, you want to so get into? My my history with the MX is I grew up as a track kid um, and a desert kid, which was just taking track bikes out into the open world to do free ride stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's mostly my history. I was never like we didn't. We, there was trails in SoCal, but mostly it was like either open desert, really fast stuff, or the track. And so most of my experience is doing those two things. Um, fifth gear pin, just <laughs> Yeah, sand dunes, <laughs> fifth gear pin. Um, but I think coming out here, and, oh, before I get into that, before I get into coming out here, I think a lot of what I was doing before I was riding mountain bikes was was dirt bikes and a lot of track riding, mostly track riding and some like some random trail riding on my track bike. Um, but I came out in like 2016 and my friends slowly, I just like slowly lost my community of like people that I would race and ride at the track with. So like it kind of lost its steam and that whole industry, if you're a follower of moto isn't necessarily (laughs) inclusive either so just generally speaking like i get that vibe yeah i i grew out of the whole thing um being very like track and more i guess that was not a fart (laughs) (laughs) he just farted (laughs) yeah so actually i have a question about that do you follow motocross at all these days um i had to unfollow most people but i'm slowly coming back to the idea of getting back into it for my own reasons yeah and so i've slowly started following i'm just on the topic of inclusivity in moto i'm just wondering if because mountain biking has also not been the most inclusive sport of all time it's come it's come around a lot but like is that happening in moto i don't follow moto so i don't really know i haven't been following enough so i can't entirely say but it doesn't seem like it yeah certainly not as much as mountain biking yeah so i'm not about to like get involved in any of that yeah. i just want to get a dirt bike because i yeah. love dirt bikes yeah. um but hopefully i don't know it would be cool if it did and it's one of those sports that's even less accessible than mountain biking not in terms of like cost to do it because i would say the two are pretty relatable in terms of that but like, yeah, I mean the investment to get a bike, like to get the gear. Yeah, the gear is investment similar. is similar, but then you have to be invested with like the truck. Yeah, you have to yeah. Be... You got to get a lift kit on your truck. You got <laughs> to gotta have a... mandatory black rims. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to have a, a whole, whole plethora of flat built <laughs> brimmed hats. <laughs> Shit, well, I'm gonna get beat up by a bunch no, of moto we're being people. Assholes. Um, 
I think generally speaking, it's less accessible because of the machinery and stuff and all that stuff is like much more intimidating than getting on a pedal bike, which to some variation, everyone has done since they were a child. So I think there's more, what's the wording? Um, gaps. What's the wording? Like where it's uh, harder to get into. Oh, uh, barriers, barriers to entry. Yes. Thank you. That's what I was looking for then in mountain biking. So it kind of makes sense that it would be less inclusive, but I don't know. They could definitely do more than they do. It's also harder. Well, depending on where you live, it's also really hard to do that activity. I found that one of the, my favorite parts about after I had this whole falling out with it because of all those other reasons, um, and decided to sell my dirt bike and buy a mountain bike was how much easier it was to do it just period. Mm-hmm. Like I could pedal out the door. I could get to the trailhead by my house in 10 minutes and get an entire ride done in an hour mm-hmm. and then throw the bike back in and be back at home. Yeah. Do other shit that you have going on. Like for before event. work even started if yeah. you wanted, which yeah. is sick. A whole, a dirt bike is a whole thing. Yeah. All of my friends who ride moto, it, it is like a whole weekend. It's like a yeah, weekend. It's a bit of an thing. extravaganza. Yeah. Which... But I'm, I don't know. I'm, I love dirt bikes and motorcycles, generally speaking, and motors. And so I've been hyped to get back into it out here because, A, it's a new thing for me, too. Like, I don't, I've never really ridden trails too much. I rode trails on a big old race 450, which mm-hmm. is just weird and scary and sketchy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm pretty new to like, riding trails on a dirt bike. Do you so already know what be, you're getting? I think I'm going to get a KTM 150. <laughs> nice. <laughs> two stroke. Yeah. I'm going to get back into the two strokes and just kind of like the two strokes are the thing that I have the least experience in growing up. Um, and I don't ride the woods either. So I'm mm. just like, let's just get into it in a fully different regard and try it from a wholly, a wholly different place with a wholly different kind of bike. Yeah. And out here, everyone rides, not just bro bras who don't like gay people. Right. So I yeah. feel like it's much more inviting of me to get in back into this thing that I've always loved, which is why I've been talking more about dirt bikes lately. Yeah. And it, what's funny is that majority of the people in Bellingham that, not majority, I would say, but I would say a lot of the people within, you know, my friend circle and, you know, partially your friend circle circle. ride moto also they're mountain bikers but they also ride moto and they are in that same mentality of inclusivity and yeah they're just not yeah jerks yeah (laughs) that's such a rude generalization i don't mean to call moto people jerks (laughs) no we're just in my experience i had a hard time homophobes are jerks (laughs) homophobes are jerks and in my experience a lot of that scene was homophobic Mm mm-hmm um anyway yeah i'm excited about it i want to get a bike that has a license plate on it so i can ride it around the street and then hit the trails and do, then go home do you can do they make a street legal 150 can you get it mm-hmm. oh sick a couple of different brands a few different brands do that's cool yeah small bores for life now yeah. i bet asterisk on i bet who's to say i mean you can also plate any motorcycle i think yeah, it just as long has as to you have, have a certain, tail light and a headlight. Yeah, it just has to have some stuff. Which you could probably just strap a headlamp, like a 
a headlamp to the front. And be <laughs> I like, had this yeah, friend growing up, Roman. He's one of my best friends. And um, we would go to his house because I lived in this gated community um, where I was from. And he lived down the road in an ungated community. So it was a lot easier to like be hoodlums without the cops getting called as quickly as in the place that I lived. Because the cops were stuck outside the gate. Yeah, they're stuck in the (laughs) gate. No, opposite way. He lived in the ungated community where people didn't care as much. There was less snooties to call the cops. So we'd go to his house and we would strap like um, those big like D-cell mag lights, the Uh big boys, onto the front fender and just rip the 450s around in the streets with no taillight, just... The headlight just simply to make it seem like you probably are street legal mm. and then just wreak havoc at like midnight in the neighborhood. So on these blasting dirt bikes. I did the same thing, but with my BMX bike as a kid. Why? I would just stop because I would like to see the reason I really got into BMX bikes initially was because, um, well, first of all, before I knew what riding BMX was, I was just pretending that my bike was a dirt bike Nice. because I could like, I came from a a lower middle-class family, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, in Michigan, mom worked a lot. Dad worked a lot. Mom worked nights, you know, dad worked factory job. Um, but you know, so I used to always bug my mom about getting a, a a moto and she would always be like, well, save your money up. And BMX bikes were a lot cheaper, a lot easier to get. Um, so anyways, would strap, you know, tape the, the flashlight to the bar and pretend it was a dirt bike. I was like, nice. I'm where we're talking. I'm like 10 years yeah, old, you know, you know, um, but then, you know, I, after I discovered BMX riding, I, yeah, I, I moved on. I grew up from that. <laughs> nice. And then I, and then I thought, you know what? Dirt bikes are cool, but BMX bikes are cooler in my opinion. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. At least you're more committed to the core. <laughs> yeah. Actually, I know. mountain bike or dirt bikers are too. Probably. Yeah. It's a. I mean, no matter what you're into, you're probably committed to whatever the core is. The core, know. whatever the core is. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, well, that's cool. You got a whole crew of people you get to play on motos and stuff with. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hypothetically excited to get involved. Yeah. So, you've been here for the past, what, I guess, month and a half, since Crankworks, pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. A couple months. You haven't experienced the cold depths of winter, but you snowboard. Mm -hmm. Are you excited about snowboarding in Washington? I hear that Baker is snowboarder's paradise. It is. So that's kind of exciting. Did you hear that from people here, or did you hear that from just growing up? As a snowboarder growing up, you're always watching cool videos of Baker. Yeah. So I kind of knew it just from like growing up. Are you familiar with the Glacier Ice Chest? No. It's in every magazine and snowboard video filmed in Baker from the 90s all the way till now. What is much. the Glacier Ice Chest? There's a Grams is like a, a little grocery store in, in Glacier. And then right outside there's this like frozen, like ice chest. That's just like where they keep bags of ice, you know? I think it's an ice chest. I'm pretty sure it is. Um, but it's covered in snowboarding stickers, like mm. probably layers of snowboarding <laughs> yeah. stickers over decades of snowboarding. And it's pretty legendary. Nice. It's really sick. You got to stop it. I, the first time I ever came to Baker, um, after I moved to Washington, 
we stopped at Graham's to get, because they make like bagels with cream cheese and smoked salmon, and you can get nice. all these like really delicious bagels on your way up to the mountain. Um, but we stopped there, and I remember being like, holy shit, that's that's the fucking ice chest from <laughs> I guess from I never paid attention enough to see it yeah. consistently in the If videos. you see it, you might, I'll I mean, you might recognize, recognize it. it. You'd be like, yeah. whoa, actually, I've seen, I do know what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, this is in Glacier? It is in Graham's Glacier. Graham's in Glacier. Yeah. Got it. Is Graham's that place that's like outdoor, indoor? You order outside? No, it, there's two nice. sides of Graham's. Like one, one side's a bar restaurant and the other side's like oh. a grocery store. Yeah, we did not go to Graham's. It's... Sorry, I'm burping and it. Yeah, we're eating. We, maybe as a as a <laughs> test maybe for ca- podcasting, car- cut the bugs. Drink. Yeah. Carbonated drinks are not the right drink. Maybe the podcaster's drink is a nice glass of red, <laughs> a blend, if you will. <laughs> I am not a wine drinker, though. I know that's why I, really I got some beer like for you tomorrow at dinner. <laughs> oh, thank you. Did Lou tell you to do that? No, I just told me to do uh, that. Is smart. Yeah. I uh, and and I'm just I don't really like it. You know. Yeah. I, like. I like cocktails and beer. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Like that for you. I'm I'm a big margarita fan. Maybe margs are the spicy most. margarita. Maybe the dead sailor needs to have margarita every single time. Uh, that sounds dangerous. <laughs> yeah. For you. Be a hard time. I mean, I have an e-bike. I could probably ride my e-bike home. <laughs> I think just preliminarily, I would be excited for you to have me as a host for someone else sometime. Oh, yeah, of course. Or a three-way podcast. Well, I think long-term, well, the three-way podcast, that's why I want to place a microphone back here, That'd too. Be sick. Um, and then, yeah, I want to have a third person at some point. But I think long-term, you know, I... I don't know if I want to be uh, sitting here in this seat the entire time. Yeah. And I think you're really good at bullshitting with people. I love to bullshit. Yeah. And you can ask really good questions and give really good insight that I don't know that I can do very well. Tag teaming. Maybe we're going to be tag teaming this. Maybe the first iteration people are watching are is the hosts learning that they are the co-hosts <laughs> of this pod. <laughs> Well, I think some of my favorite podcasts actually have more than just two people. Totally. You know, I think it just gives better banter. Three people. Three people is, is key. It's yeah. key. Because then there's never any, if you want to just like fade into the background a little bit and like, be like, okay, you guys Listen talk for, for a, a bit. bit. Yeah. yeah. You can do that. Where this, you, you're just got to be in it. You know? I like that. Yeah. These are meant for pods, eh? Yeah. It's a pod mic. Road pod mic. Shouts to road. Yeah. Yeah. I bought them used. Oh, yeah? So they probably have COVID on them. <laughs> <laughs> they look pretty new, though. No, they're. I think they're like returns that they... Nice. One was like an Amazon return or whatever. Um, and then the other one was from whatever, the camera store. I forget the name of it. But nice. Yeah, this was a kind of an, a significant investment. Uh, luckily, I had the cameras already, but... I bought the switchboard thing. Oh, you want to see something really cool? Watch this. Yeah, your Zoom. It's <laughs> so good. You need to put that probably under the table by you so you can be doing that. The people agree. <laughs> There's a shitload of sounds that you can... You can customize those buttons, Yeah, I'm sure too. you can probably program all kinds of shit yeah. in there. 
So as, nice. as this podcast grows, I'm going to start sound biting <laughs> yeah. whatever funny stuff and put them on there. There's a, I wanted to get a bigger, one of those like huge sound boards that has like 50 buttons that you could like program, you know, I think you need a mini one. Just like, yeah, whoop. no, I know. I really do need to move that thing over here, but that'd be sweet. I just wanted it to be kind of clean. We're, we're figuring it out, figuring it out guys. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the problem with that is that there's so many cables coming off of it and I just don't want a lot of cables here. Maybe if it's like down here or something yeah. that like yeah. low, yeah. Or something. I don't know. But anyways, anyways. Um, cool. That was one big caveat. We were talking about hang time. Oh yeah. Do we want to go back to we that? I don't want to go back to that. Okay. Because we were on a good tangent. Yeah. But then we tangented a few thousand more times. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, that's, no. that's, that's one, that's the problem with an unstructured podcast <laughs> is I can't, I'm not going to cut you off. And I also don't know what the fuck I'm doing. So and I'm not going to cut you off, <laughs> but let's go back to hang time okay, because yeah. I'm uh, interested in where we're going and where we were was the collaborative environment of bonding yes. with people. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a whole discussion about that. That sure is like. I've talked about this from time to time, but I've only ever been on like two podcasts. So like most of it is only to my friends and people around me. Mm -hmm. But a lot of what's cool and interesting about all of these like events that aren't contests is everything that happens behind the scenes that you don't see in pictures. Like sure, there's tricks and we're learning a lot from each other in the writing regard, which is so sick. But also we're learning about each other and we're learning from each other and you're creating friendships that you wouldn't otherwise have the chance to like create and do face to face. And those things inevitably in my experience, even in the last like few years have turned into like projects and other cool, interesting things and successes, I guess you could say that have just come from being invited to come spend time, which is so cool and people don't talk about that stuff enough so i think that that's really interesting and have learned a lot of interesting and cool things and a lot of my i guess career successes have come from things i've learned at events from other people just hanging out and chatting shooting the shit and learning oh i can do that differently and then success coming from those learnings so yeah do you think there so hang time, I feel like is unique in its, in that capacity. I don't, I don't, I can't think of any uh, other event that is mostly centered around like the athletes bonding and getting to know each other. Like, I feel like that is like maybe one of the more, like that's the, that's the most, I, I don't want to speak for Hannah, but I feel like she's really prioritized the friendship bonding aspect of her event over maybe, and again, I don't really know, I haven't been to Dark Horse and I don't really know Casey very well, but you know, it feels like Casey's event is more uh, about the media and creating like sort of like getting the yeah. footage and the photos do, and stuff like that. You I know, do think it's cool that they're different and I'm, I'm, I've also not been to Dark Horse, so I don't know what they talk about or what their priority is, but it yeah. does seem too like the priority is getting 
those names out and getting them media and yeah giving them time to learn from Casey and others that she invites Hannah's there so yeah. like they have a lot to give um and yeah I mean that's cool that's yeah, yeah. so that's how, doing stuff one question is you've been to formation mm-hmm. how does formation compare to hang time as far as just overall atmosphere and vibe are I they mean, similar you do get a lot of hang time <laughs> at formation just because it's like a week it's a whole week and you're basically living together so um you get plenty of the same stuff that i think hang time gives too um but then i think that the crucial difference obviously with the two is like formation is exposing you specifically to that desert terrain which is like so unique you're never going to find that anywhere else and so it's kind of niche Mm -hmm. whereas hang time is jumps and those are going to be a little more unanimous you're going to find those in different places um and so i think that both have different priorities and get different you get different things from each um but I, i think too like formation is putting a priority on accelerating the cream of the crop, the biggest names in women's free ride and giving them a place to show that this is viable. This is like something that could be good for the entire industry, but especially is something that we are all capable of. Um, whereas hang time I think is like maybe the step, I don't want to say down, but Hannah puts a lot more priority on getting people that aren't, at the top, a place and an avenue to show that they're capable of being that. Yeah. Um, and then she's obviously not that um, formation isn't because I think they both are doing a really good job at being inclusive and looking at it from like a wide eyed view of like, how can we not only support and help the people who are wanting to come up in this come up, but how can we do it in a way that is giving the widest range of people the most opportunity possible? Yeah. So, right. Yeah. And I think also, you know, to sort of stress a point that you made was jumps are everywhere. And, you know, I would say that formation puts you into that, that element is like, there's one place that you can go really to, expose yourself to that kind of terrain and that's Utah. And if, you know, whereas like, you know, you had people from the East coast, you had people from all over the place jumps, you can build a jump line anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I think that bear, like again, the barrier of entry, right? Like I feel like jumps are a lower barrier of entry as opposed to like exposed free live rides. For sure. So, yeah. I mean, it's like, I'll use myself as an example because I can speak for myself way better than anyone else. Like I'm not, I haven't been a formation caliber athlete yet, though that's my goal and what I've been really focusing on making happen this year. Um, But I think the last couple of years of being at hang time has definitely given me tools that I wouldn't have previously had in order to prepare to be that caliber of athlete. So it's, I don't know if Hannah likes this wording, but to me it does feel like stepping stones. Like Mm -hmm. she's giving, she's giving, um, she's building steps at a different place in the 
what do we call us? <laughs> the movement, the free ride movement. Um, you can call it that. I'll just call it that. Yeah. You guys can all decide what you want to call it later. <laughs> <laughs> comment uh, in what, what, comment below. Like, comment, and subscribe. <laughs> uh, she's just giving a step at a different place, which I think is really, really useful for basically everyone. Yeah. Um, and in a way that no one else is doing right now. So. Yeah. Big ups to Hannah. Yeah. For giving us that opportunity. So on a personal level, you had mentioned how you really, I mean, Hannah obviously rode a bit in Utah, but she, I mean, I, I can't really like put everything into a timeline. Hannah is riding just really gnarly shit in the Pacific Northwest, mm -hmm. which I mean, it's different, right? It's completely different than what goes on in Utah, like as far as dirt and exposure and all that stuff. But yet she's like progressed herself as to be known as like one of the gnarliest women in free ride, right? Totally. Um, you know, you're leaving that terrain and coming to Bellingham. What are you, what do you have your eyes set on moving here? Like, yeah, so it's a couple of things that are very crucial to, I guess, Hannah's building. Um, and Utah, aside from, you know, the desert, like up in Salt Lake where I'm from, we just don't, we, do, we don't have that terrain where I'm from. Yeah. Like you can go two hours to Green River, you can go four hours to, to Virgin. Um, and when you get there you should probably hope that there's people around to ride with, or, I mean, I, I have enough of a network now that I can arrange that, but it's not so straightforward to get into is what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Even if you're from there, um, like to find it or, well to find it. Yeah. But then also to like jump into it, yeah. like before formation existed. Yeah. Like it's, you don't just like, Right. Grab your mountain bike and hike head, to the top head the down ridge. to Virgin and hike up and give it a bit of a go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how this goes. <laughs> yeah, it's not so much. And up in Salt Lake, we have like, we've definitely got some cool little sniper stuff here and there. But for the most part, it's just like pretty cross-country-ish flow. Everyone's going to hate me for saying that. But come to the PNW and you'll see why I'm saying that. <laughs> so my mindset is I want to get there fast. And I want to build on the skills that I don't have. So I'm really fast. I grew up, or I didn't grow up. I have been racing enduro the past handful of years. So um, I'm good at showing up places and going fast on trails that I don't know. Um, and I'm pretty decent at some tech and very good at flow and jumps because we have a lot of that in Utah. But I have no exposure to super steep terrain loose stuff aside from the desert, which is like, yeah, you just can't go to the desert and hit a bunch of stuff on a Tuesday unless mm -hmm. you live down there. Right. Like here, yeah. you can go ride some super gnarly shit yes. and then go to work. Yeah. And so my mindset is I'm going to come out here and I'm going to ride all the shit with Hannah Yeah. and I'm going to ride all the shit with you and everyone else that's here riding gnarly shit because everyone here is good because everyone's riding gnarly shit because that's what's here. I don't ride gnarly shit all the yeah. time. Well, you ride gnarly shit enough to Sometimes. be able to ride it. You but know, here's the other yeah. thing too. Even non-gnarly shit like Galbraith. Yeah, right. 
Galbraith is out the back door. Yeah. In Utah, we have a trail system of three trails, and I've ridden them all. Like my Strava would show you at least like 200 times, and that's like I Strava'd very solidly for a few years, and then there's been another few where I'm like I'm not Straving ever. So, like I'm over it. Yeah, you don't want Strava here. No, <laughs> I don't. I don't use Strava anymore. Anyway, you though, get but like, shunned out of, out of Bellingham for straving. Would you? No, I, as long as you're not straving on anything, you shouldn't be straving. No straving at Glacier. No, no, we're gonna cut that word out. I'm gonna beep it. <laughs> no straving at. <laughs> you guys just have a lot more to offer here, and a lot more, even if it's not super gnarly stuff, like access to trails, a varied amount of trails, and a lot of people to ride with easily here and that's what i'm looking for more riding quicker easier with more people and then exposure to all of the gnarly stuff too which is still close yeah in a way that it isn't in utah and i'm just trying to the other thing is so where you live now your relation to virgin in from salt lake city your relation to the gnarliest stuff is north right like you can drive two hours and you're in squamish right and squamish has fucked up scary yeah. shit i rode there last month and i was like i don't know how to mountain bike yeah it's all super gnarly rock slabs janky as all hell that you don't like you were like that's not rideable and then a local comes no knee pads and just yeah, boom, totally. yeah, down yeah, it, witnessed you know. that <laughs> But it isn't rideable in, a, in, the, in the sense that it wasn't built to be ridden by mountain bikes. Yeah. It was yeah. built for, like, other stuff, like, what, hikers and dirt bikers going up? Yeah. And, I mean, um, a lot of the stuff here, too, was also moto trails originally. Well, there's a lot of purpose-built purpose mountain built bike trails shit now. nowadays, yes. Yeah. But originally, everything, even Galby was all moto trails, right? So, like, um, that have evolved and been taken over by mountain bikers. Totes. Um, but yeah, I mean, Bellingham is, is, Bellingham is like steep with loam, with like actually good dirt, right? Um, where up there it's like steep with rocks and really fucking scary stuff. Stuff and then that'll kill you. Pemberton is like, dun, dun, dun. Pemberton is probably the scariest place I've ever ridden a mountain bike. Really? Before. Yes. Still haven't been there yet. You gotta go. It's like. A mix. It's like if you take Squamish, if Squamish and Bellingham had like a baby together. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Yeah. It's like really, really, there's like really fun, steep, loamy trails. But then there's also like, there's one trail called Cream Puff that is like roller coaster rock roll. It's like a pump track of slabs, Whoa. like rock slabs. It's so fun. That's sick. Um, but yeah, there's... There's so much to be had up here, even beyond Bellingham, you know, and living in Bellingham, it's sometimes I feel like I'm like spoiled in a sense. Um, or I, I, I act spoiled. Let me, let me correct myself there. Um, because I'll be like, oh, I don't want to ride that trail. But Bo- it's like a really Ugh, good trail. I'm so bored of that trail, but it's like one of the greatest, like, yeah. like anyone would kill to ride yeah, you any would, of those trails. You would hate to live in Salt Lake then. Because <laughs> you, you ride three would. trails. You ride I, three trails I, I you have ridden in Salt Lake minutes. before. I rode, actually, I don't even know the names of the trails. 
All I remember is you look down on Salt Lake City. Yeah, you probably rode bobsled. That was probably, actually, that sounds familiar. It's probably still my all-time favorite trail just because it's the home trail. Yeah. Can't ever talk shit on bobsled. I want to go to I Street. That's where I want I Street's sick. I'll be there this weekend. Nice. Actually. Dang. We're going to miss you while you're gone for a little bit. Um, What time is it? It is that time. Cool. It's not that late. I'm going to drink another beer. Nice. I'm going to get rid of this one. Do you want to uh, sell something while I get a beer? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'd there like you go. everyone to know about this episode the, is brought to you by, by Colchins Apro. For real though, there's two things I drink when I come here. Well, three now. I just found a new beer uh, when I was at dinner just now that was delicious from uh, Wander. But the Colchin Apro and the Colchin Goza, so good. If you have Colchin where you are, you should get it. I know. Because I told, they're great. <clears throat> I told Emily Malice. She's the marketing person. You met, I think you met her. I know Emily. <clears throat> um, I told her that I was going to promote Colchin beer. Even though I paid for these, I don't give a shit. <laughs> They've supported. <laughs> they're so good. They've supported the bike scene here. Uh, I'm hitting you up, Emily. Hannah's Deep Purple Party that we threw here. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like approached her, and I was just like, Hey, we want to throw this color launch party, and uh, for Hannah, it's gonna benefit Vamos. Blah blah blah. She's like, "Oh, how much beer do you want?" And I was like, "Well, I don't know." She's like, "How about five kegs?" And I'm like, "Oh my god!" And then we didn't drink at all. Oh yeah. (sighs) (laughs) Yeah, they're very cool. And mm-hmm. so, without being paid by them. I know. One day we will get Colchins paid. Colchins the shit. Yeah. One day we will be paid by them. Also, Paris Gore. We're going to be paid by Paris Gore. Yeah, Pick Paris, up these super yes. awesome koozie, or not koozie, uh, coasters from parisgore.com. <laughs> you have a nice commercial voice. <laughs> you have a nice radio face as well. I'm just waiting to say that. It was ill-timed. Oh, nice. Thank you. It's been a... I had to try it. Yeah. I, I practice in the, the car when I'm driving. I go, welcome back. No, when you try, it doesn't work. Oh, okay. Just then, though, when you sold Paris's thing, that worked. Yeah. That was nice. Ugh. Anyway. Cool. Uh, what are we going to, what, what else should we talk about? Mm-hmm. There's probably another subject. See, this is where having like some notes. Top, topics. I don't know. We talked about hang time and um, how cool all that stuff is for all yeah. the girls. And you know what? Biking. Actually, I know what I want to talk about. All right. I'm just going to say this. I just want to say this. You are one of those people that I feel like when I reached out to you to sponsor you, I was like, oh, man, I really think they're like they're super personal. I like their person. I like your dry sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I like the way you market yourself. Um but I, uh, as soon as I got, like, met you, you, like, the first time you came here and we met in person, I felt like I had known you for, like, months. Do I do years. that? You do. People say that. Yeah. Why is that? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you have, like, an infectious, pretty, like, French friendly personality. I'm pretty personable. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. If you, yeah. If, 
if I were to be asked like I just was where it comes from, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you it's always just the been way that, that way? I am. Yeah, I think I think so. I don't even know who you could ask. You'd probably ask my friend Cameron Stout or Katie Bennett. You met Katie. Yep. I think that they would say that I have been always this way. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's wild. It was like it's like, oh yeah, Blake. She's like my best friend. I met her like three hours ago. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just really like people and I like um having a good time and being silly. And if people can keep up with that, then they're immediately my friend. Yeah. And if they can't, then they probably wouldn't have this opinion. Do you, are you do people not like do do you get the feeling that people don't like you ever? I think there there are people that don't like the humor that are like just aren't that way or they're yeah, or they're introverts or they just don't really like appreciate or understand sarcasm and then yeah. those are people who they're just yeah. like probably don't have a great opinion of me. Have you spent a lot of time with Sky Shillhammer? Yes. He has also an incredibly sarcastic yeah. personality. I love Sky. Yeah. He is so funny. We haven't spent enough time together to be good buds yet, but I think we will. Yeah. Forced it's almost annoying sometimes because you'll try to be serious with him, even just a little bit, and then he's sarcastic, and you're like, God damn it. Dude. Yeah. I'm trying to like be serious with you right now. I'm trying to tell you something. I think that's something <laughs> that I, I'll, I'll tout myself in this way. I'm usually pretty good at bouncing back and forth between silly and stupid and sarcastic and serious. And that is something I think that I like about myself. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm able to go deep if it's calls for it, if it calls for it or if, um, a situation I deem safe enough to do so. Yeah. Other than that, I'll be friends with anyone. Yeah. Especially people who are like haters or jerkheads or like far right conspiracy theorists. Yeah. I'll be your best friend. <laughs> surface level because i want to know everything about you which is probably why people like me because i'm just interested in yeah getting asking to people know, a gajillion questions figuring out what they what makes those people tick yeah, getting to the exactly. root of their craziness i had this thing during quarantine where i got hella into far-right news sources and it wasn't because i prescribed to it but i was just like so intrigued in how people become that way mm-hmm. that like i started you don't get Only, angry. I, I feel like know. sometimes when I see like really fucked up, like things like that, I get frustrated and, and upset. I don't, yeah, I don't I find I, the humor in it or the, or anything like that. I, I sort of am like, or I'm not like, I'm not like, huh, why, why do these people? I just like, Oh God. Like I tend to not take anything personally. Yeah. And so everything, even if like you're making fun of, queer people or trans people specifically or like trans mountain bikers who are super dope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't take anything personally. I'm like, oh, that's what you think about those people, huh? Even if those people are me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I grew up in the Midwest in a farm town surrounded by a lot of people that have opposing political views. And I'm not, sure. I'm not like hella liberal. I'm somewhat middle of the road. I'm like more socially liberal. Sure. I would say. Um, like I think everyone should have equal rights and everyone should be given the same kindness, you know? Sure. Um, but I do have friends and family who vote 
in the complete opposite direction of, of me. Um, and I still have relationships with those people. Yeah. You I know? don't know. So I'm like constantly surrounded by people who. Oh yeah. I'm think sure. Things that aren't cool with me, but you just kind of learn to. Yeah. Kill them with kindness. <laughs> right. You can change their, dis- their opinion of a certain group or subject by just showing them that, yeah, hey, you know I think what? that's Trans my people thing. People aren't scary. I think that's my thing. <laughs> you know? It's like not, I'm not here to be some sort of like huge activist or yeah. something, but I'm just here to be me. And yeah. if you can learn some things that like I represent, then I would love that. Yeah. But I'm not going to go out there and like make you learn anything. I Just think you are authentically friend. yourself. Yeah. And I think that that is infectious. And I think Thanks. people appreciate that, you know. But I, you know, there is there's a time and a place, I think, for the, like, beat the fucking walls down kind of yeah. mentality. That and comes voice. out every now and again. Yeah. If you follow me on social, you've seen it. <laughs> By the way, follow Blake on social media. Not that there's... You'll see it. Not that there's a... That there's... You have way more followers than Tenet does. So <laughs> all the, all of your followers, all of my followers are probably already followers of you. So maybe. Yeah. But, um, follow Tenet. There you go. Boom. There you go. Boom. Because Don't Tenet worry. We'll do sick it. And we got, we're doing some small batch sick shit over here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Made in the USA. There's a lot of fun stuff in the works. Definitely yeah. more coming than you've even seen. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of which. Um, I, I've sneak peeked it on the social medias, but we're working on a grip and I want to figure out, uh, I want to figure out a colorway for you. It's gum. There is no other. You just want gum. Yeah, that's it. Pure gum. Maybe there could be some speckle in it, but it'd have to be light. Could we do like a gum mix or something? Cause I've already got umber, which is kind of like a gum, I guess. You're going to have to show me. I don't don't have anything here. It's, we're still working on anything but gum. Actually, the first and only mountain bike, wait, how do I say this? My first mountain bike was a GT iDrive 3.0 cross-country bike with three and a half inches of travel. Sick. And it had white grips on it, and those were kind of sick, actually. I think they were Odyssey grips. Don't they just get instantly dirty? Yeah, they weren't white, but they were white. For a minute. (laughs) For a while. (laughs) But they became gum, and then I was like, actually, I'm just going to rock gum grips basically for forever. Yeah, and the minute you lay your bike down in the Utah dirt, it just turns gum. Gum. Yeah. Yeah. Well, nice. Well, I mean, we might be able to mix. The only the, the only problem with gum is that you can't do a really soft compound. Really? Or at least, I don't know, this is what I've been told. It's the, the, the type of rubber that's used to make gum is a diff, like gum color for some reason is like a different we should go hardness. all into this not on the podcast <laughs> we can go into it in the podcast sometime too i think people would Basically, probably appreciate that gum can only be hard yes <laughs> it's like gum that you like spit out and stick under a table and then that's the hardness of the gum it's pretty stiff no i'm just kidding it's, it's probably softer than that he's just kidding <laughs> but anyways yeah I want, I'm really excited for a colorway. What about like a gum colored petal? Mm. <laughs> Not into that. 
<laughs> We're going to have to come up with some good colorway stuff that's yeah. not Hannah's colorway because Hannah's colorway is the sickest, so it's going to have to be second sickest to Hannah's. I know. I know. Her colorway turned out so awesome. The It's actually black, the way they make it at the anodizing shop here, or not here in town, I guess it's in Idaho, is they mix black anna with the per- traditional purple anna. Oh, it's just right in between? It's like, yeah, I don't yeah. know. It's really crazy. But the... Oh, I'm giving away a trade secret. Oh shit! <laughs> no, we what might is have to, it? I might have to go boop again. Like, I'm just gonna hold. On, I'm gonna do a really long boop sound so that we can add it over the top of that. Boop. Because I don't think I have that on my computer. <laughs> I'm sure you can find that on the internet, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> so weird. Um, what is the secret? No, it's just mixing black and purple Oh, to make a really dark purple. Black in any color. Yeah. Is that really a secret, though, or is it just kind of common sense, guys? Maybe it's common sense. I don't know. But they had a really hard time because I, I had Anno chips from, uh, from like a Taiwan supplier, and I sent it to the anodizer, and they couldn't figure They sent me back, and it was like bright purple. I remember you, you showed it yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no. No, way darker, like dark purple. Yeah. And then they came back and it was super sick. And that's what Hannah has. But anyways, I would love to continue on and add another colorway for Blake Hansen. That would be fucking sick. We're going to do that. It's going to be sick. Yeah. And we're going to sell a bunch of them because they're going to be cool. So, I mean, I don't think a lot of people know this, but Hannah gets a royalty from every sale. So she gets a percentage of the profits. So I'd like to do that to you. I think that is a really great way to support your athlete. Make a special colorway for them. They get some of the the profits from that. And then they're stoked on it. People are stoked to support the athlete. They know that they're supporting, directly supporting the athlete. It's It's a realistic way to do it. It's like skate culture. In skateboarding, you get a deck. If you get a signature deck and your name's on it with your own custom art and everything they get a royalty on that sale. And I think that, I think that, honestly, I think that mountain biking needs more skate kind of mentality. I've always been saying this. I've, if there's one thing I could leave on the sport before I change roles, I want mountain biking to be more like BMX and snowboarding and all the rest of the sports we love. Yeah. I think historically mountain biking has had a lot more like, What's the wording um, for uh, people with, sorry guys, just pause. We're going to take a quick pause. There's going to be a cut and then we're going to come right back <laughs> where I got my wording the right way. <laughs> privileged. Sorry. This has been a lot of privileged people in this sport for a long time. And that has probably limited the sports scope and diversity of who's involved yeah. and who's affecting its culture. Yeah. And now that that's changing, I feel like the culture is up for debate. So how do you, how do we accelerate that? I think more and more people like us being involved in the sport, us being like anyone who's not like the cookie cutter white executive who is trying to make margins happen. And we're trying, I don't really give a shit about margins. Like yeah. may, whatever my royalty is on the product that we futurely sell. Cool. That's great. Yeah. I care less about that. And I care much more about, how it affects the culture of what's going on and why. Like, and I think that's a lot of tenant is 
kind of centered on that to me, which is why the brand has been so interesting and attractive to me to be a part of because it's not cookie cutter Thank you. and it's not what anyone else is doing. It's small batch. It's cares about the right things and it's unique and cool as fuck. Okay. Thanks. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that matters to me and I want to see people doing cool, different things that aren't like, we know that normal anodization purple will be sold to all the girls in the sport because they love their fucking purple. But like, what if you just did a really sick thing that was not that? What if it was like super metal? Mm-hmm. And what if it was dark and it was kind of twisted and it was whatever else you want to say tenant is? Uh, and I just like to see the personality in it and it's just different than factory. Yeah. Well, I've really prioritized. With the company, I personally, when I f- formed the company, I didn't want to do what everybody else is doing. You know, like if you are, if you're starting something and you're looking at like, okay, who, who else is out there? What are they all doing? Oh, they're all doing bright blue, bright. Like they're doing blue, red, everyone has the exact same colorways. It's like, why? And the reason they do that. And I think the reason they want to do that is so that, and I'm not, I mean, pardon me. I probably shouldn't be speaking for other brands or whatever, but I would assume that one of the reasons is because that's what they think people want, right? Like matching your stem to your hubs is important to some people. And that might be cool and popular to some people, but I would rather create a line of products that work together that somebody can go, you know what? I want my bike to look different than everybody else's. I saw that guy ride by and he had brand A with brand B, C, and D, and all the colors matched together. I want my bike to not be that, yeah. <laughs> you know? And yeah. so even if it means that, you know, I, like we don't sell as much stuff, whatever, I'm more proud of like our brand being having an identity and being it, its own yeah. separate personality, you know? Yeah. And that's like dark, earthy, you know? Like that's, yeah, it's cool. that, that's kind of one of those things. Like if we sit down and look at color chips, which we should do, honestly, um, you know, you, you know what tenant is all about, you know, like you could probably pick through a, a assortment of color chips and be like, Oh yeah, these are like on brand, you know? And I kind of want like that, that's, that's, I think what's important for me personally. Yeah. Know? No. So. I like it, and I think that with more diverse people being involved in the sport, the culture will start to shift and do different things, like what Tenet is doing as one example. Yeah. And hopefully, at some point in the future, we'll be able to look at the sport and see more similarities to the other sports that at least some of us are inspired by. Yeah. You know, more snowboarders and mountain biking, which is a thing that's happening right now. Way more snowboarders are starting to mountain bike, which is sick because anyway, I'll get there in a sec, but I think that that will start to affect the way mountain biking looks and who's doing it and what they're influenced by and what they're doing to influence the products in the sport itself. So that's cool. Snowboarding or mountain biking used to be like a skier. 
cross sport, uh-huh. you know, like I got in, I didn't know any skiers. I don't ski. I don't, didn't really associate with skiers that much, to be honest, I'm kind of a brat. But when I started mountain biking, I became friends with all kinds of skiers and I'm like, okay, skiers are sick too. But now, now snowboarders are mountain biking too, which is also cool. Cause that's like what I was raised on. Yeah. So here's a question. When we did Hannah's, uh, deep purple launch, we booked year the Cobra. That was a good one. And like, uh, dry land, which is another, which is a Bellingham local. Also like, a good one. Metal band. Should we mix it up next time and book hip hop artists? I don't know if there's any good ones around, but maybe you want more metal. <laughs> I'm personally more metal than Hannah is as we've discussed. <laughs> so I don't know. I think we might have to stay on brand and go. Okay. We can go but I, I really, though. but I also love hip hop. There's some fucking good hip hop out sure. there. And, and I grew up can be just as, you know, metal dark yeah, and metal totally. as metal. It can Absolutely. Be. Yeah, for sure. You know, but I love hip hop. Like if MF Doom could come back to life and play a show here for as a tenant show, that'd be, that'd be so, so sick. sick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we could get uh, Jezza back. Yeah, we could just do like a we get one of those MF Doom hologram. We get a hologram and MF Doom just like plays a hologram show. You wouldn't even have I'm to pay them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There's no way we could afford that. I keep after that Deep Purple party. People constantly are, are telling me, "When are you doing the next?" Tenant party. I know, and I haven't been back here since then. So when I rolled up, I was like, oh, man, that party was so big. I know. Did you notice? Uh, you probably couldn't tell because it's dark out there, but uh, the blackberry and the um, you took them out. vines and stuff have taken over again. Oh, they you took them out and they retook over? Yeah. Oh, Lou, like, cut so much of it yeah. out, and it's grown all back Those in. Those guys are insane here. It's crazy. Yeah. That that's so i really want to buy this property eventually one day i know and that's kind of a concern of mine because i don't know what to do about it i have no idea if anyone knows how to destroy blackberries <laughs> forever tell me well, someone's probably like just pour just gasoline on them uproot them what do you grab it's like yeah they're like you gigantic die. spikes they're, the thorns are like this yeah. big. It's like they're, they're massive. It's like they're built to not be uprooted. <laughs> oh, you don't say. But what time is it? It's huh? time to be done. You want to be done? You got to be done. Okay. All right. Time to go home. Time to go home, folks. All right. Well, I don't even have an in, uh, outro. We didn't even do an intro. Did we do an intro? You can use the one that I pretended to give you. Okay. It's Wednesday, <laughs> October 5th. <laughs> All right, well, we kind of bumbled our way through there. <laughs> Got a lot of different topics. For sure. Blake, thank you for coming on to the, yeah. the Tenet podcast, first ever episode of Dead Sailor, working title. If you don't like that name, please let me know any alternative names. I'm open to everything. Even you, you can give me ideas. I like it, Dead Sailor. Yeah. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next time. There you go.